exciting news. The first returning guest on the Tea Time sofa is none other than award-winning director Dwight Stephen Bonnecke, who's won 15 awards for Searching for Skylab. Because of the success of Searching for Skylab, the award-winning documentary on NASA's first international space station, Dwight and team are holding a watch party on the 28th of August. So people from all across the world can see it and chat with the astronauts and scientists who were a part of it. Let's find out more. Dwight, welcome. This is the first time ever that I've invited a guest back to Tea Time. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. I didn't realise I had such an honour. So it's uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be a first at something. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to be a first at something. I mean, since we last spoke, Searching for Skylab, your your documentary has has gone quite nuts, hasn't it? I mean, you've actually won, what, 12 awards now? That was a couple of weeks ago. We're at current stand is 15. 15 awards. Wow. Yeah, we... Uh, the first one we got was for the Eastern European Film Festival, and there are very little festival in uh, in Romania uh, with the, the guy who runs it living in Britain. And he he awarded this, and he, he sent us a really encouraging message and said, this is going to be the first of many. And sure enough, you know, uh, the, the ball started rolling, and more, as more people got wind of what the film was about, the more these awards started to roll in. And uh, I have to also say it's due to learning about marketing. That is the uh, the toughest uh, nut that we've had to crack in the entire process of making the film. And they, it's, it's a standard saying within the film industry. If you can make a film, that's the easy part. It's selling it. That's where it's difficult. And I must say, having awards behind a film make it a lot easier to convince people that it's something worthwhile watching because as they say when you have won an award in a film festival competing against approximately a thousand other films it shows that yours is above average and so with that sort of confidence uh we've you know now approached the 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 whole thing a little bit differently, which uh, is a lot of energy. Like you can see here, like I said last time, that did that was not grey when we started making this film. Bless you. I mean, it has been an incredible journey. And, you know, I mean, you've learned so much as well. I know you, you're passionate about, you know, space travel anyway. But, I mean, you've learned so much about the original International Space Station at, at NASA, which... You know, without you, really, would not have been so uncovered, would it? Without sounding like blowing my own trumpet, uh, we have noticed. My, my wife the other day did a search on uh, uh, Google Analytics. The search uh, uh, words for Skylab back before we started the film were per year, I think, less than, than 200. Now they are up at 18,000. And it has to be in part of what we've done because we've put Skylab into the into the 
into the world that people can easily access. Before it was sort of, it was always there, it just was hidden in a corner and you had to know where to look to find the information you wanted. And we've presented it in a very easy to digest form that only takes 90 minutes to, to get through. And by the end of it, you are as well a bit of a Skylab expert. Yeah, definitely. I, I've also watched the film and I, I, you know, I was, I found it amazing. I really did. And to think that, you know, all that time ago that they, they did that and they traveled up to space and found out all these different things about, you know, the planet and where we are in the solar system. And, you know, to think that, you know, we wouldn't have known that, would we? If, no, look, yesterday we were watching Jack Lausmer down at the, the, the Speyer Museum here in Germany uh, talking about the land observations they were doing with Skylab. And he was saying, based on the, the photography they were doing, they could tell how the plants were going health-wise uh, from up in space. And that was, for 1973, that was a revolution. That is, uh, to, to look down at a single spot on Earth and say, these crops are doing well, these are not doing so well. We can see a drought here. We can see changes in the, in the flows of current in, in, in the oceans. This was new. This was something that had not done, been done before. You know, the focus was on getting to the moon. Skylab had the focus on the Earth. Yeah, which is, um, is it's extraordinary as well. And I suppose at the moment, we're, because we've had two world billionaires take off and go to space, I mean, what do you make of that? It's part of the development. Um, Look, when, when you look back at uh, aircraft travel, you know, in the old days, it was for the rich only. You, the average person on the street could not afford to fly in an aircraft. That came about with the advent of more commercialised travel. Uh, and when the 707 was brought into service, that shrank travel times brought the cost down and then it became accessible for people and of course then like they say uh, free enterprise encourages competition which also has a tendency to bring prices down um, and uh, I would say everybody in Europe at, at one point or another has flown in an aircraft yeah yeah um, absolutely I, I think at some point you know they have it's very unusual now that somebody hasn't been on an aeroplane it you know, I don't think I've ever heard a story of I haven't been on an aeroplane. But, um, I mean, it, it, it is extraordinary, the fact that probably Skylab had something to do with the fact that this, you know, you are actually having these billionaires take off in their own aircrafts now, really. It's a natural progression. You know, the, the, the NASA and Skylab laid the foundation of how to live in space. And this is what now... The uh, people like Space, SpaceX, Blue Origin, and uh, Richard Branson's uh, company, that what they're doing is taking that, that step further. Uh, I would like to go up and fly with them. I don't have 480,000 US dollars standing by that I can do that, but it's only a matter of time, I'm certain, until ordinary people can afford to fly up in space. Yeah, which again, you know, is, is something that, you know, as, as young people, we would have only dreamt of that, you know, by watching Star Trek or, or that sort of thing, or Star Wars, really, wouldn't we? So, um, yeah, very strange. So, I mean, you are now holding a watch party, which is sort of like an accumulation of all the wonderful awards that you've received. I mean, just some amazing 
stuff. A couple of them. Oh, look, I bumped into the table as I came in for the interview. That's terrible. That looks disgraceful. Look at them. They're not even lined up properly. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't worry about that. Really, honestly, don't worry about that. I mean, you know, you, you worked incredibly hard with your other half, Alex, as well. I mean, you know, you were quite a small team, really, putting this whole documentary together, weren't you? Look, now we've got a bigger team for the marketing purposes, but the core group of people who made the film was five. Right? Yeah. And we compare it to other documentaries, and we look at the credits at the end of it and go, ooh, they had a lot of people working on it, and we did it. Uh, but that's, that's my passion, you know. Um, it's a labour of love. Uh, it's one that I'd, I'd, I'd like to see successful. Um, but yeah, so anyway, coming back to the watch party, this came about because of COVID lockdown, and it, we're still not out of this yet. You know, I, we were lucky we were able to go down to the museum uh, over the weekend. But uh, look, Australia in Jan- December, January, they were roaming free, you know. It looked like it was... Uh, over in in Australia and now they're in a serious lockdown that I was talking to my family and they don't think they're going to come out of it until the end of the year. So what do you do when you're unable to go to a cinema or unable to do anything? You're sitting at home, the only thing you've got, like we know, you've got the computer. And we thought, well, why don't we do something a little bit cutting edge and do a watch party? And we've we've done last year, we've done... uh, um, celebrations of Skylab on specific launch dates and so forth. And we've invited the astronauts to come in and talk. And we thought, well, let's make it something special. So we're doing a watch party on August 28th of this year. Um, and it, all, all the information is on www, www.skylab.space. <laughs> and uh, you'll have all the details of the start time and so forth because we have to do it in conjunction with when the astronauts are able to do it and they're based over in the US. We've got viewers in Australia that will want to watch it. Um, We're showing the film and after the film, we'll have a panel with Skylab astronauts and the Skylab rescue team astronaut Vance Brand and they will be discussing it in a little bit more detail of what has been talked about in the film. Then we will have relatives and children of astronauts who are no longer with us to talk about how it was growing up in a family of astronauts. And the one thing that struck me with all the kids of the astronauts, they felt that their lifestyle was totally normal. You know, the, the, yeah, dad's flying up into space today. And so was their friend living just a couple of blocks down. For us, we're like, what? <laughs> and they didn't realize, uh, uh, Matthew Whites, the son of Paul Whites, did not realize until he came to astronaut gatherings with, where the general public are allowed to be involved and saw the enthusiasm that people like me had and went, yeah, I actually had it pretty special growing up. So we want to we want to relay a little bit of that to, to people as well to, to see what it was like growing up in an in a astronaut family. Um, the son of Bruce McCandless, who has that world famous photo, he's not attached by a cable to the spacecraft. He's just floating out with his jetpack. Yeah. He's just released a book and he's going to be there talking about uh, his father's legacy uh, as well as uh, what he's written in his book. And um, I was honoured to, to proofread it for him and I, I was given a window into a lifestyle that you know, it just blew me away from how smart and how passionate these people are and how, how much of the explorer blood is in them. And I thought, we have to share this with people. This is, this is important. So 
we've got that sort of thing happening in the background while while people are waiting and this is the best part there are vip tickets where people will get three minutes one-on-one -on -one with an astronaut in a breakout room they sit down with either jack lausma ed gibson or vance brand and they can talk to them one-on-one -on -one in their own special room where they will not be interrupted and that is something that these days these guys do not want to travel anymore there's the health concerns with COVID and so forth uh, but they uh have agreed to do this and it's the the one chance really we're we, we're treating this as the once in a lifetime skylab reunion mm, definitely and uh, you know it, it it is quite a reunion as well you know given what we the history of space and you know actually have the first space travel and then being the first international space travel and um, station and being where we are today. I mean, that, that's an extraordinary once in a lifetime event that you're putting on this yeah, August. Yeah. Who, who knows what's around the corner? If, if COVID taught us anything is uh, what's the actual this today, it may not be the same tomorrow. You know, you have to adjust accordingly. And that's, that's what we've decided to do with this to make it a big, online event uh, there is a, there is an event that just happened in the u.s called space fest and that is the premier event where you can meet astronauts you get involved with fellow enthusiasts you see artists of space space work and normally there is a big proportion who are international visitors like me we couldn't uh, travel this year so a good portion of those people wanted to go to this event but couldn't so we decided to work in conjunction with the organizers of space fest so that we, our event would not collide with theirs so for the people that were unable and wanted very much to go to this event ours is the next best thing that they can do oh well that's a, a really an amazing thing to do and you just fortunately had some time with jack lausman as well haven't you because he he was in germany so talk yes. about that that must have been amazing to to have him close to home yeah yeah uh we we heard it was very last minute because you know like what i was just saying with COVID, you know things change on the on the drop of a, of a coin mm. and they had postponed his visit already twice and this was the one that we were like, okay, okay. And, you know, we could see the uh, incident rate of COVID infections going up and then coming down. And we're like, uh, just stay steady. And he managed to come out. That It was then past the point of no return, you know, like on uh, Back to the Future Part 3 when they, when they passed the, the windmill. That's it. He had to come out. So I... Uh, with my wife, we drove down there. We stayed at the hotel at the Speyer Technik Museum. It's a technical museum which features classic cars, uh, aircraft, um, and there's a space section. Of course, that's why the astronauts come out there. And for example, they have a 747 that is mounted as if it's just taken off and it's at an angle and you can go up via a staircase up into the aircraft and go into the uh, baggage compartment see what it's like go up into the passenger compartment you can explore it like you couldn't normally do in a, in a normal aircraft because you can't access these places normally and it just blew us away and uh, another thing they have there is the IMAX theater and and although they're our competition I must say if you get a chance to see the film Apollo 11 on IMAX, uh, we just sat there and went, oh, wow. <laughs> we, uh, that film is made for IMAX. That's all I can say. Uh, 
they shot it on 65 millimeter back in 1969 for the launch sequences and so forth. And when you sit there, you have the feeling you're right there at the launch. It was incredible. So anyway, after all that, we are buzzing away. And then Jack did his uh, talk to the, to the people at the museum. The, the, he had a lecture and we're sitting there listening to him talk away. And you know, he greeted us like long lost friends. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a really nice recognition of what we've been able to do to keep these people's legacy fresh in people's mind. And I know for a fact, his family had said to me, they very much appreciate what we've done. And that was the goal I wanted all along, that these guys get remembered as well as the moonwalkers get remembered. And that seems to be the case right now. Because, I mean, you know, I mean, what, what it's, it's still it's ringing through my head what, what Neil Armstrong said about what's it, one step for, for man, for, you know, a, huge leap for mankind and you know it, it wasn't just your right about the stepping onto the moon it was you know about the whole discovery of our solar system of our planet of you know opened the doors you know because after that then uh, when budget constraints were happening at NASA they, they had the foresight to use uh, gravity assisted uh, slingshotting of the Voyager spacecraft and they planned it. It was a once in, I think, a hundred years or thousands even that uh, the planets were aligned in a way that would allow this spacecraft to pretty much examine the entire uh, solar system if it launched on a specific date in 1977. And that's what they did. And, and look how much our understanding of the uh, solar system has increased since 1977. You know, in 79 and 1980, flew past Saturn and Jupiter, uh, took images that, you know, people were, were breathless uh, looking at the data coming in. We, we spoke to the, the crew at the Madrid tracking station. They were the first ones getting the readings coming in from, from Jupiter. And uh, he, he said, uh, one of the engineers was saying, it was just incredible. We saw these readings come in of the, of the different type of rays that this, uh, the, the planet was emitting and the type of gases it had. And we, we were just like, we had no idea. We had no idea. And the exponential increase in human understanding of our universe was just, just mind blowing. And that's all within my lifetime. That's the thing that, that gets me. You know? uh, I was born six months before they walked on the moon. Uh, all this stuff I've grown up in a, in a, in a, uh, world that is used to space travel it's it's the norm now not the exception yeah this is true this is true I mean it, it probably wasn't when you were that young it wasn't the norm but you know it you know it certainly has become now and as as we've said you know in in the month of July we had two world billionaires just seamlessly you know take a uh, an aircraft up into to space, you know, which is just something you really wouldn't think about before, would you? So um, it did make me laugh, though, um, Sir Richard Branson's one, because, you know, obviously you've still got the problem with gravity and that you could see, you know, the shots of them just sort of floating. Um, yeah, Galactic, his, his name is. His Virgin crop. Galactic, that's right. Virgin Galactic, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder which space films he watched. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <so>, yeah. Star Galactic. <laughs> yeah, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, but very interesting times it is, and it, you know, I think it's a really good 
situation for you as well, but not just for you, as a reminder to the rest of the world that, you know, it was Skylab that discovered all of this in 1973, wasn't it? 1970, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like a, a culmination of all of that coming together and, and your awards, which, you know, congratulations, 15 awards is, is seriously going some. Thank you. I mean, each, each one just, uh, it's a very emotional experience considering the rocky road we, we had to go through to get here and to finally be recognised for it. It's like, oh, it was worth it. <laughs> um, it makes it a lot easier. It makes it a lot easier to talk to people about a film you've made when you're an unknown to say, well, here, look, you know, behind me, that, that's what we've achieved with this film. And that's what we would love. We would love to have people who are equally as passionate come to our viewing party. I'd love to speak to people about what they think about the film, only if they're saying good things, of course. But uh, uh, I would love to hear from, and I know for a fact, I know for a fact in Britain, a lot of space enthusiasts live there. It's uh, outside of the US. I think I've seen more astronauts in Britain than any other country in the world. So uh, so I'd really like to appeal to all those space fans out in Great Britain. Uh, your long-lost cousin from Australia here is asking you to come and join us for our watch party. You'll love it. You'll love it. You'll love it. How do they? They just go on the website, don't they? You go on the website. You can click on the type of ticket you'd like, and all the details are available there. And we've got a really good team of uh, IT specialists, again, to make sure that you're, you're looked after. Uh, you know, as as you know, with the internet, there's a lot of things that can happen, and we want to be prepared for that. So we've we've got some really clued in people. Um, we've got an extremely fast connection for the film. This will be played out from the United States, which uh, is uh, a, a connection so fast. I was like, ah, ah. Um, <laughs> there is little chance of that going wrong. We're going to have backups left, right, and centre. We are going to make sure that. There is nothing to complain about other than the fact that it didn't go on for long enough. Oh, brilliant. Well, do you know what, Dwight? Thank you for coming back on Tea Time with me. Um, it really, really has been amazing to have you back on. And, you know, as I said, it, it's like a culmination of all those events that have happened as well. Um, and, you know, congratulations for producing such an amazing film, Searching for Skylab. Thank you. Look, you're such a great host. You just you have this manner of putting me at ease. You know, we, I, I had to run here uh, because I nearly forgot the interview, uh, and and it did make me feel guilty one, one little bit. So I'm very thankful of that. And I've got to show you one thing. One thing. This is the, if there was any question about me being totally obsessed about Skylab, let me just move it this way. That is a minifigure scale Skylab Lego model. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've been working on that since February. <laughs> is that your lockdown project then, Dwight? Yeah, actually, yeah, it was, because we of couldn't course. do anything. So I'm just like ordering something. Don't ask me what that cost. Uh, that is off limits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not even Alex knows. Yeah, she knows. Um, <laughs> that's why we're not talking anymore. Funny, I, I don't understand. Um, <laughs> the uh, it, there, are, there are virtual designers. You can build uh, Lego models in this virtual program, and it tells you if the thing will hold together or not. So that's what I did first, and that's what took the time because you have to find the right pieces and you build it. You know, I had the photos of the space station. Uh, um, 
to use as a reference. And as you can see, it's got the, the markings that it should have. And there's a lot of trial and error because a program doesn't uh, deal with gravity. So it can't tell you that when you put these pieces together, if it's too heavy, it just falls apart in your hand. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened here. Um, but uh, yeah, so that will be a, a star of the show as well when we're doing the uh, we're doing the watch party. It'll be there, and, and you know, it, it might even start talking to you. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, Dwight's handiwork, definitely. Exactly. If I start talking, then I'm running. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Well, you take care now, and good luck with it. And I look forward to the watch party. I'll, I'll give you all the details as well. Love to see you there as well. Catch up soon. Bye. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Really loved it. It's great. It's always great coming on this show. So if you've got another reason, uh, I'm into rock music as well. So if you're ever doing uh, something about classic rock, I'll be happy to, to come on as well again and be the third time guest on the show. And then they'll be like, oh, him again. <laughs> Don't push it, Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting into an Elvis thing at the moment. I said, it's incredible. I'm just discovering Elvis again, like full on this time. It was like another one of these lockdown things that you just go, oh, listen to Elvis right now. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. Good for you. You take care. Bye now. Bye. Thanks, See you later. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on teatime at forthenow.co.uk where you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Teatime with AM. Bye for now.